Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley. And today we are going into Dan's Conspiracy Corner. Full episode. Why are all Americans supporting rifles Mausers? Ashley? I would just like to say that I was not looking forward to this episode because I am bored by the research you did on this one. Ow! It was like really good research. It's just not something I have an interest in, but I love that you were able to make it into something that like would, you know, spark people's attention. I mean, like I, I'm the person that talks about cold single actions ad nauseum. So yeah, I was about to say, like good. you're calling Mauser's boring and you wrote an entire, well, you've done a lot more than writing an article about cold single actions. Yeah. Um, but why are all sporting arms in America Mauser's? That was the question. That was my question. It's not entirely true, but um, yeah, but I think it is the conclusion that we've come to in many seasons ago, which is the fact that really everything we consider like quintessential Americana gun is not invented by an American has some at least has some deep overseas roots like we I feel like you know, Americans just like take things that are invented by other people and put their own twist on it and call it their own like our like our country. We're going to get so much hate mail. <laughs> like, we're, we're you so know, we took Eng- like England, you know, came over here. Uh, there were other countries, but England. And so then we decided. Ashley's that- email address is. <laughs> we decided we, because like I was there. I was right, a part of it. Right. Clearly, um, your time colonists probably. decided, you know what? I don't want to be a part of England anymore. So I'm going to make my own place and call it new. I mean, not to get derailed too quickly, too early, but can you imagine if you time traveled to the Constitutional Convention, what scene that would be? I was only thinking that I would like to time travel to that time period so that I could meet Jamie Frazier from Outlander. (laughs) I have no response. (laughs) For the record, my microphone is sitting on an Outlander book right now. So back to the topic at hand. Dear Lord, Danny, I feel like... When we have an episode like like our cold single action episode, like we stayed focused. We I stayed so focused. Forward, but I, you are just like I'm lobbing out like softballs out of here to like get you totally off topic, and you are totally catching them. <laughs> I don't even know if that sports analogy made any sense, but like y'all know what I'm saying. I'm saying that Danny's getting too derailed. This is your topic. So stop letting me do this to you. <laughs> Victim blaming. So much victim blaming. (laughs) Essentially, Um, Ashley has nothing to say in this episode, so I'm trying to talk some way. So I actually think you're going to have a lot to say when we get to sporterized rifles, but to get to the topic at hand and why people ostensibly listen to us, Mausers. So everybody, most people listening to this podcast are probably familiar with Mausers, but to go back over their history, invented by uh, the Mauser brothers, 1871, and you're laughing at me so weirdly. <laughs> it's like the way you paused. I like the way you paused. I was like, did he forget? I kind of did for a second. I was like, wait, when were they invented? Who, who invented them? Who, who, what was the Mauser named after? Who oh possibly God. could have done that? My face is so red from laughing. Okay, go ahead. The Mauser so, brothers. So one of the early bolt action rifles, um, not totally the first or some predecessors, but adopted by the German army. And as they get refined over the years, they um, 
eventually come out. We're skipping a lot of history, obviously, but they come out with the Mauser 98, what is widely considered one of the most advanced bolt action rifles of its day. So it starts in 1871 with their initial models, um, gets a lot of refinement. The 98, when it comes out, has a ton of features that have been adapted for the smokeless powder that's been introduced since the originals came out. Um, all kinds of a, just a really strong action, lots of innovative features on the bolt and receiver to make it a really excellent rifle. I think by virtually any standard, you could judge a bolt action rifle, especially during that time period. And very quickly, other countries start to experience Mausers in combat, not necessarily always 1898s, but the U.S. runs into them in the Spanish-American War and in the Philippines. The British run, to, run into them in the Boer War, often earlier patterns like the 93s, but still Mauser actions of some kind. And both the Americans and the British reevaluate their own rifle choices and then adopt guns that are at their how at their heart Mauser rifles. So the 1903 Springfield is like in my judgment 100% just a derivative of a Mauser rifle. I think the same is true for the British Pattern 13 that they planned to adopt before World War One, but then the war broke out and they canceled that, so they stuck with the Lee Enfield. But both of those guns were designed because they ran into Mausers, and then those two countries reevaluated the rifles and the gun they come up with is effectively a 98 Mauser. And then of course the gun gets so popular that um, it becomes widely used for export. So countries that can't afford their own rifle designs just buy Mausers of some variety with a few cosmetic changes and maybe a caliber change. And so Mausers end up everywhere. And then when it gets to the post-World War One era, Winchester and Remington and all these other companies start examining the guns they've made and they have to think about what they want. And all of a sudden, a lot of these guns that we now know as classics of American sporting history are Mausers, in my opinion. I um, would like to ask what the heck the United States was doing with that Craig. I personally love the Craig, so I will hear no ill words towards it. I wasn't saying ill words, but I'm just saying like, do you think that they were just like, no, we're, we're not going to go with everybody else for now. We're going to try to do something ourselves. And they were, they were trying to do their own thing. And you can kind of see the logic because everybody back then is uh, like obsessed with magazine cutoffs and that sort of thing. Um, that proved to be a really dumb idea, but uh, people seem to think it would be useful. And in that context, it makes a little bit more sense, but yeah, ultimately Poor choice because they the U.S. trialed a Mauser when they against the same time they trialed a Craig and they looked at both and were like, yeah, Craig's the better one. We're going with that. <laughs> and then they were like, oops, JK. <laughs> and so one of the things that happens is in the lead up to World War One, Winchester actually starts to recognize how popular Mauser rifles are getting in the sporting world. And they hire a guy named T.C. Johnson to trial or to start building a bolt action rifle well he had been around for a while and he started internally he was their product one of their product engineers so he sort of starts work on a competitor they want something to compete and he wants to go the bolt action rifle route and he designs a couple of prototypes that if you see them are look like a 1903 springfield and a 1917 had a baby um 
I was going to make a comment there, but I probably shouldn't. Do it. Well, as it says, I don't know what that actually looks like in practice of those two rifles getting together, but it looks like that. So <laughs> the war then puts a halt on that project entirely until a, towards the end of the war. And he picks it back up in like 19, late 16, early 17. Uh, and at that I thought you were going for like in the 16th century. And I was like, what, what just happened? I'm, did time travel like an outlander? He did. He was a time travel. He was outlander. Um, so at the end of the war, he picks back this project up to make a rifle. And by that point, Winchester building P-14s, which was also a Mauser, uh, for like two years, two and a half years. And you start to see that influence on it. And so this prototype sort of keeps evolving, keeps evolving. And then the war ends, hasn't gone anywhere yet. And Winchester's considering a bolt action rifle for the post-war market what happens is a little bit of industrial espionage because there was a former remington employee that was now an ordnance officer who was working at winchester as an inspector and i think he was like feeding back what's going on at winchester to his old bosses who then he went back to work for remington announces they have this new bolt action rifle winchester's like oh no we got beat to the punch we're not going to do anything. Remington didn't actually have anything. They were still working on theirs, but it bought them enough time to come out with the Model 30, which was derived from the Model 1917 and the P-14. And Winchester then sees how successful the Remington Model 30 is, and they go back and bring out the Model 54 that then becomes the Model 70. And so the Remington 30 and the, Rem and the Winchester Model 70 become these two iconic American sporting rifles that are both at their heart derived from Mauser actions and have all the features you would expect of a German G98. Then this is also compounded by the fact that all these countries that have been adopting Mausers then in the thirties. And then again, after world war II, start to sell all their guns off as surplus. And so all these Mausers that have been military rifles are now in the state. So that by 1950 with a couple of decades of commercial sales of the 30 and the 70, and then this glut of actual Mausers in country, what? Did you say glut? I did say glut. I don't think that's a real word. <laughs> it is a real word. I stand by it. I'm Googling it. Keep talking. So that by the 1930s, so, or not by the 1930s, by the 1950s, at the end of the war, the bolt action rifle market in the U.S. looks like you can buy a surplus 1903, which is a Mauser. You can buy a Model 70, which is a Mauser. You can buy a Remington Model 30, which is a Mauser. You can buy a surplus 1917, which is a Mauser, or you can buy one of any actual branded Mausers from overseas that is still a Mauser. So all of America's hunting rifles, besides like lever actions at that point, are, with few exceptions, Mausers. That's my story. You're so happy, Danny. <laughs> I'm just happy like, I remembered I all the facts. You guys can't see, but Danny's like smiling He's ear so to ear. I'm himself, it's the fine. cutest thing. It's Danny's like finally got his wish, which is to essentially just have a podcast just by himself. <laughs> finally, after two years of doing this, I finally got to talk to myself. <laughs> also, I did look up and glut is a word. Thank Do you, you only know the word glut because you were using the synonym surge? <laughs> synonym. Search when you were writing your article. 
No, I knew this word beforehand. Okay, because uh, cool. I'm smart. I think um, I don't know what to say. You like really like you like have this habit of like when you do go, like you wrap it up in a nice. Is this the bow. is this the Carbine Williams thing all over again? <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, it's just funny. I mean, it's great. Like, I'm not hating. I'm just like, there were a couple of times where, like, I was like, I'm going to like, nope. And then what people can't see is that, like, I was nodding in agreement. But it just sounded like you were quiet. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. I knew that. Mm-hmm. All those things. No, it was a great argument. Um, I always find it really just interesting in general. We've talked about this a million times, but the interplay between, military and civilian guns right and like because before the 1890s effectively like bolt actions as like a commercial rifle aren't super viable or successful when they come around and it really doesn't catch on until after world war one at least in the u.s um and yeah it's definitely like a military thing first before like bolt actions in general are a military thing first before they're a commercial gun even though nowadays i think it's kind of reverse where we think of bolt actions as like a commercial hunting or target gun and not a military weapon at least not as much yeah well and i mean i always find it interesting when you get the military surplus guns that people then buy and sporterize because you can buy um just like the action uh a barreled action like mauser i was working on a on a lawsuit and that came up as a thing that you could buy that doesn't fall under any specific gun category. Like if you're doing a subcategory. Um, but I, so in doing that, I was searching for barreled actions, which is not a very easy Google search, but I did. I think the one thing that I saw was like Mauser barreled actions uh, for sale. Right. And like, I mean, like whole companies that we know today got their start, like Weatherby, like it was, he was like making, sporters out of mausers in his garage and like that's how the company got started he was taking yeah he's like taking you know the actions that are really strong building really great hunting rifles out of them and now it's a really well-known american company but it started effectively because of the glut of mausers available so tell me other than a leather oh my gosh i cannot talk today I'm, i'm pulling a you um, other than lever actions and semi-automatics, tell me a sporting gun that's not a Mauser. Non-semi-automatics. Non-lever. So it can't be a semi-auto and it can't be a lever gun and it can't be a Mauser. Yeah. Uh, well, Remington had like a whole line of like pump slide action, excuse me, rifles. Oof. Yeah. I was thinking literally in my head, I'm like, theoretically, the way I phrase that, literally all shotguns. (laughs) All shotguns. Um, I don't know. I mean, and it's less common today, but I think there's like this window where, and it's kind of, that's, I think what's interesting to me, I guess, about this is like, there's a window where you're like a consumer choice, like what you're going to buy because you want to go hunting that season is effectively at its heart, all the same thing. And you're really maybe choosing a caliber difference. Nowadays, there's all sorts of options, you know, and even when it comes to bolt actions, there's a ton of variety to them and they all do something a little bit different and how they feed the action and all sorts of things. But back, like there's a window in American sporting history where effectively your choice for a bolt action rifle, if you want one, is a Mauser. And it's kind of like that. I mean, you know, there's a window too, 
what made Winchester successfully originally, maybe not quite to the same extent, but for like the 1870s, your choice for a lever action is, or at least for a repeater, is effectively a Winchester, maybe a surplus Spencer. Um, I don't know. It's like these windows where something takes such hold that it takes a really long time for anybody else to overcome it. Do um well patents do that's a well yeah yeah there's uh, there's those little patents that they play a role well they did in the revolver market at least but well and they um, do play a role because the U.S. end up we end up paying what a lot of people point to the lawsuit which isn't like well understood but when the U.S. adopts the 1903 Springfield uh, DWM one of the German companies making Mauser rifles Waffen. I was not going to attempt it because I was going to butcher it. Uh, Fabrican something. But anyways, DWM sues to because they say this is a Mauser, like you're infringing on our you know, design. And it takes a really long time. But the first one, so, and it's actually, it's not necessarily on the gun itself, but they first sue on like the patent for the Spitzer bullet that the U.S. adopted. And so, they, and they win that lawsuit, and that one is actually all wrapped up before World War One breaks out, um, if I'm getting my dates right from memory. Then they sue later for the stripper clips um, for that patent to feed the guns, and that one doesn't get wrapped up. That one like drags on and on, and war, the war interrupts it, and that one's not settled out until like the 20s. But in both cases, the U.S. has to pay because they haven't like even U.S. courts are like, come on, guys, like we're on your side here and this is the 1920s so we can make up the rules as we go, but we still got to say you infringe because it's too obvious. Yeah. Um, I thought that this article was about alphabet guns. And I well, like I thought it would no- be, so that one's the super niche, like the prototypes that I kind of skipped over. And I thought it would be somewhat more interesting for the audience to relate it a little wider. So basically when we started this episode, you did not inform me <laughs> that we weren't doing the episode that we put on the list. Correct. I could you do know that. What? You know what, Danny? Since we don't know what our other episodes are going to be, maybe we make this a two-parter. So we maybe talked we about the Mausers and then we can go into the prototypes and you can send me your article so that I can say things and sound like I know what I'm talking about. Sounds great. I think we do it. Let's talk about weird prototypes. Yeah, I'm down for prototypes. All right, cool. Well, then guess what, guys? A we glut just, of prototypes. We just added a, an entire episode in You're an welcome. episode. Do you have anything else to say, Danny? No, I just would like to reiterate that the conspiracy in Dan's conspiracy corner is that every American rifle at one point was a Mauser. I like that you... so. For people who might be new listening, like Danny in the first season had Dan's conspiracy yeah, corner. I've only actually like in one it. episode or something, and now like you said it Just twice. The thing I've made up, and all I keep thinking is like, stop trying to make fetch a thing. <laughs> I'm trying to make Dan's conspiracy corner a thing to talk about all the weird because I, I should have spent longer on this, but the conspiracies are one: the industrial sabotage of Remington stealing Winchester's bolt action idea, and two: all American bolt action rifles are Mausers. That first one was really interesting. Well, I only spent like 30 seconds on it, so. (laughs) 
All right. Well, uh, now I guess the next episode next week will be about weird prototypes. So we'll talk to you then. See ya.